for those of you under 30, that reference in that song to MTV, MTV used to be a station that actually played music. And they played these things called music videos. I didn't want any of y'all confused out there. I've been pastoring a long time, and it's been very rare that I've been backstage. Phil always sings me, sends me the song. He doesn't sing me the song ahead of time. He sends me the song ahead of time. He knew the topic. Today he said, hey, I think we're going to bust out this song. And I said, man, that sounds awesome. And you really don't think about it. Till you're backstage and they start playing it. And you realize how politically incorrect the 80s were. And there's certain references in certain songs. And I was like, oh, what are we about to say back there? And I didn't hear what we changed that to, but man, good for Phil there. We can, no one's going to boycott us online today for being bigots or racists or whatever, or homophobes, whatever. So that worked out good. We got to do the song and we live for another day. The great chase. We're all chasing something. And the reality is most of us are chasing things that don't matter. We're all chasing something, and the reality is we're chasing things that so many times don't matter. Last week, we talked about chasing fame. It was eye-opening for so many people. They said, but I didn't even realize that I was chasing fame. We're chasing the likes on Facebook, and we're chasing the reactions of other people, and, and we're chasing making sure people like us. And today, I want to talk about something that is probably the number one thing we're all guilty of chasing. It's probably the thing that impacts us the most. It's the, probably the thing that whether we realize it or not consumes our thoughts the most because it's the thing that makes the world go around. People get funny when the preacher talks about money, so let me go ahead and tell you we're talking about money today. If that makes you uncomfortable, I don't really know what to say because this book talks a lot about money. Jesus talked more about money than he did prayer and faith combined because he knew that it would be the thing that we struggle with the most. Money makes the world go round. We can deny that all day long. I've heard it say that Money can't buy happiness, and I understand the sentiment of that, and I agree with that. But the reality is, and I'm not trying to be offensive here when I say this, the reality is being financially stable and having money eliminates a lot of things in life that make you unhappy. I want to start today with some questions. I like audience participation. How many of you would say, now be honest, I know it's church and it's hard for people to be honest at church. Really it is, it's the fakest place on earth. But how many of you would be honest and say you honestly wouldn't mind being rich? You wouldn't mind being rich. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Whoever's phone's going off, there's an amazing thing on the side of your phone that turns it off. Text that person that's calling you and telling them you're in church. How many of you would say, I know someone that I would consider, you know someone that you would consider as rich. Whatever your standard on rich is, you would consider them rich. 
Yeah, me too. Can I be honest with you? Have you ever looked at someone who you think's rich? And you think to yourself, if I was rich like them, I would be better at being rich than them. <laughs> yeah. Like, you ever heard the expression, like, they're stupid rich? Like, I'd be smart rich. You know, I wouldn't be. But I like to think I would be. Now, this one is a little more difficult. It's going to take some real looking inside. How many of you would be honest? And let me go ahead for all you deep thinkers and tell you that when I say this phrase, I mean monetarily. I don't mean rich in love. Rich in compassion. When I ask this question, I mean rich in bling bling. How many of you would consider yourself really, really rich? Interesting. I mean rich, I mean. Man, I'm loaded. I got money. Rich. Now, it's funny... Most of us, back that up, every single person here, all of us, said we wouldn't mind being rich. That sounds good to us. Every single person here said they know somebody who is rich. Yet only Richard was honest enough to say, man, he considers himself rich. That's what happens when you retire from UPS. Man, he wore that brown outfit for all those years. And now he's rich. <laughs> I did some studying this week on people and rich, and I found it really interesting. I found an article that said what people would do for $5 million. It's funny. Some of it I can't even tell you. 54% of people said they would listen to nothing but country music the rest of their life for $5 million. I could probably do that. I'd do that now for $54. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to drive around in my $250,000 car, because I'm dumb like that if I had $5 million. And I'm going to listen to the most depressing country music you've ever heard. I'm going to pull up to that stoplight, my Lamborghini, and you're going to expect bass or rock to coming out. Man, it's going to be Tyler Childers whining about coal miners. That's how I'm going to roll. That one's easy for me. This one was weird to me. 42% of people said they would have all their teeth removed. For $5 million. I say that, but then meth heads do it for free, so I mean, you know. It didn't really classify if once you got the $5 million, if you were allowed to put in fake teeth or not, so I don't know. Literally 50% on the dot, the article said. 50% of people on the dot. And I got to be honest, I'm not real sure where I stand on either side of this one. Said they would... <laughs> They would allow one random person to die. 
Random, just the universe picks some random people, person in all the world, and that person's going to die. You don't, might not even know them, but you're going to get $5 million. I don't know where I stand on that. If I got to pick the person, <laughs> the random's the part that's confusing to me. You know? 24% of people said they would live in complete solitude for the next 20 years for $5 million. Uh-uh. I want you to know I got $5 million. I always say there's a difference between rich people and wealthy people. Wealthy people, you don't know they got money. Rich people want you to know I'll be a rich person. Man, I tell you. I, I, I don't even like any of this stuff, but I, I have a new boat. I told Christine when I said, man, when we become millionaires, I'm going to buy this house. So she said, the house we live in now is too big for us. That's not the point. The point is I want that house on the hill. I don't care that it's got 32 bedrooms and I don't like people and no one's coming over. I just want the house. Gallup did a, a poll. I found lots of polls this week. And I've shared something similar to this with you in the past. And They interviewed people and they asked them this question, what is rich? No one can really define it. What is rich? And I've shared this with you before. Those that made 30000 a year said, man, if they could be right around $74,000 a year, they would consider themselves rich. I know a lot of people who make $74,000 a year, and they don't consider themselves rich. A couple of car payments in a house, two or three little brats, Go to the grocery store once. $74,000 don't go very far. So they asked those who made $74,000 a year and asked them, what seems rich to you? Their answer, of course, was those who make $150,000. Now, I got to be honest, $150,000 is a lot of money. I remember, I'm 47 years old, I remember being 18 years old and thinking, man, if I ever made six figures a year, I'd be rich. I don't say this in a bragging way, I don't say it in an arrogant way, I, I simply say it to say it. I'm about eight years in straight of making well over six figures a year in my businesses. And I don't feel very rich. Like, to me, rich is, man, I can go do what I want to do when I want to do it, no questions asked. That's my definition of rich. I ain't got it like that. Like, to me, rich is I show up with a new truck, and I didn't even run it past Christine. And she don't even care. She's like, that's cool. I got a new truck. I had to, like, take her out on the boat. But I'm a serious conversation. This truth. I said, now that I got you all alone out here, and he talked to you. And I had a presentation presented. And I threw some of y'all under the bus. Mainly Bubba. I said, listen, I, I don't spend money on golf. Then I threw 
business partner Warner. I said, man, I don't hunt. I don't, I don't pay hunting camp dues, deer processing dues. I said, man, I don't, I don't golf and I don't hunt. And I, man, I don't play softball. I made up some stuff. I said, you know Bubba's got base softball bats that cost over $1,000? She said, really? I said, yes. I don't think he does, just for the record. But I said, yes. I said, honey, I don't do any of that stuff. And then I gave her this puppy dog. I said, I don't have any hobbies. But I live in my truck all the time. And somehow it worked. See, like rich people ain't got to do that. So six figures a year to me don't seem rich. And the reality is, in the day and time we live in, six figures a year is not very rich. (laughs) All joking aside, it's just not rich. Again, it's a house payment and a couple of car payments. Maybe it's a nice living. It's comfortable. I consider myself very blessed. Do not consider myself rich. They asked those that were upper level, the elite, what they considered rich. And the average response was $5 million in assets. $5 million in assets, and then you're rich. So if you're that poor joker that's only got $2 million in assets, you don't feel very rich. The problem with what is rich is there's always someone who's richer. <laughs> you know? What I do know is while we can't define what rich is, 100% of us raised our hand today saying we want to be rich. And only one of us said we are rich. So what happens? We don't consider ourselves rich. We want to be rich. Maybe we don't think it consumes us, but we spend our time chasing money. We spend our time with whatever way we want to glamorize it. And make no mistake, we have glamorized the chase. We, we come up with terms like hustler. He's a hustler. We make up, we're like, what do you do for a living? I'm an entrepreneur. I used to think an entrepreneur was like really cool. Now I just learned it's broke people with no jobs. I'm an entrepreneur. I mean, it can, it can be anything, you know what I mean? Unfortunately, we have to live in this world and we live with the continual pursuit of more. The problem with what is rich is it's a moving line. I had an event yesterday. The event went okay. I've had worse events. I've had better events. I added it up in my head what I made yesterday. And I caught myself being irritated at what I made. Then I reminded myself that what I made yesterday, I didn't make in a month eight years ago. Literally didn't, so I made in one day what I did not make in a month eight years ago. 
If you would have told 20-year-old Gary on Friday night, you will put on a wrestling show. Wrestling. Grown men in underwear acting like they're fighting. And then Saturday, you will get up and put on a festival that an entire community comes out that has bands and beer and vendors and food and people will have a great time. And you will make X amount of dollars. What I made yesterday, I would have told you that was the American dream to me. I'll never forget when I got married and I was 22 years old, I took a job. I'm a grown-up now. Listen, not a teenager, a grown-up now with responsibilities. My own place to live, my own car. And I took a job, so that was 27 years ago, 26 years ago, 25 years ago. And they told me the job paid $12.50 an hour. And I couldn't sign up fast enough. $12.50 an hour. I thought that was good money. And guess what? It was good money. (laughs) My first apartment I lived when I got married was a two-story townhome. Massive. Or in my mind, it was massive when I think back to it. And I remember being so nervous to sign that lease because my rent was $425 a month. You can't rent a room today for $425. So $1,250 was a lot of money. The point is, what's rich is always evolving. But we're always chasing it. And how do you catch something that's ever-changing? We're all trying to be rich. But every time we get there, the line moves. Jesus knew this would be an issue. He knew that we would struggle with the issue of money, and therefore he taught a lot about money. He knew if there was anything that was going to become our God, it was going to be money. Because you can't do anything without money. It's funny, I followed this guy on TikTok who is a, I guess you call him a homesteader. I, I don't really, I don't know what you call him. He lives off grid, which is weird. He lives off grid, but he's on TikTok. Um, and he quit his job and he bought 100 acres in West Virginia and he operates on solar panels and he built his own internet tower and he has an outside kitchen and he lives, he lives life by his rules. Except for... He does this frequently asked question episode on TikTok, and someone asked him, how much does it cost for you to live off-grid? And it was staggering. Now, it wasn't what it cost you and I. But the point was, here he is living off-grid, and yet he has forty dollars to $50,000 a year in bills that he's got to come up with money for to make. It's ever-evolving. So you can live off-grid all day long. The reality is it takes money to live. You can grow your own stuff. It takes money to buy the seeds. You can build your own solar panels. It takes money to buy the stuff to build the solar panels. 
The wood he built those things with was not free. The 100 acres he lives on in West Virginia, he probably got it for $2.99 an acre, $2.99 an acre, because again, who wants to live in West Virginia? But nevertheless, it costs money. Money makes the world go round. And what happens is, is we get in this continual pursuit of money. The Bible says this in Luke 12. Then he said to them, him being Jesus, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in abundance of possessions. Leave that up, please, Xander. I think it's interesting. He actually gives a double warning. He says, watch out. Normally someone tells me to watch out, I stop and I listen. He says, watch out. But then he comes back and says, be on your guard. He, he reiterates the point. What I'm about to tell you is important. Watch out, be, be on guard. In other words, two different times, you better be aware of what I'm about to tell you because it's dangerous. He says, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. And then Jesus comes on and says, you need to understand that life does not consist of an abundance of possessions. Your life, the quality of your life, is not measured by the volume of your stuff. Yet culture is shouting at us, bigger, better, newer brings you happiness. But bigger, better, newer brings you debt and puts you more in tune on the rat race. How many of you have ever been on a treadmill? I was doing a treadmill for a while, and I thought about two miles an hour was really good on the treadmill. I'm rolling on the treadmill at two. Maybe like a little bead of sweat. Trying to listen to a podcast. And then my wife decides she's going to come to the gym at the same time I come to the gym. She gets on the treadmill. This at nine or ten miles per hour. She's not going to one-up me. So I begin to escalate the treadmill. She notices I escalate the treadmill. She knows she really can't run any faster than what she's running. So she decides she's going to implement the thing that I didn't even know was a feature on a treadmill, the incline. So now we're running 9 or 10 miles per hour up a hill. I try to get up on the incline and decide, you know what, the treadmill's not for me. I'm not going to let her know that she beat me. I just said, you know, I don't like the treadmill anymore. I'm doing something else. But that's what happens. We get deeper and deeper in debt trying to listen to culture and then we have to get on the treadmill of the chase and go faster and faster and faster. And we were struggling at two miles per hour, but now we're trying to keep up with the neighbors and we're going nine miles an hour. Trying to obtain, trying to be rich, and we come up lacking. We come up stressed. We're all trying to be rich, and yet none of us can define what rich is. Doesn't that seem absurd? Doesn't 
But some people rich as 50, some rich as 100, some as 1 million. None of us can define what rich is, but we're on the treadmill of life chasing. And you know the great thing about a treadmill or the crazy thing about a treadmill is you're running, you're running, you're running, you go no damn where. I just ran seven miles. No, you didn't. You're the same spot you were. You just put the effort in to go seven miles. You didn't get to see scenery. Seven miles means I started here and I ended up seven miles down the road. But we're on the treadmill running and chasing and going nowhere. We make a little more money. What do we do? We spend a little more money. I tell people all the time, you don't have a money problem. You have a spending problem. You spend more than you make. It's not complicated. We spend money to buy things we don't need to impress people we don't even like. And we want to know why we find it lacking. And Jesus said, you got to be on your guard against this. He said, watch out because, man, greed will consume you. Always trying to obtain more at a price of our peace. Jesus told a very powerful illustration to a rich guy. He's talking about a guy in Luke chapter 12. And he said to this guy who was a rich man, and the rich man had a great harvest. And, and because the guy had a great harvest, he was rich, and he had a bumper crop. And um, he, like I said, he's this farmer. He's got all this money coming in. And they said, what are you going to do? You got all this money coming in. He says, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to build bigger storage bins for all the harvest I have coming in. I'll build bigger bins where I can even have more harvest. He's already successful. He's already rich. But he's chasing more. They say heroin is the most powerful drug in the world. No, 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 no. Money is the most powerful drug in the world. I get a little taste of it and I want a little bit more. The more money I make more money I want to make. I'm like a junkie for it. And I begin to chase, and I begin to chase, and I begin to chase. And the guy says, I'm going to build these bigger bins, and I'll have a bigger harvest. And he says, I'll retire early. I'll have the easy life. I'll throw a lot of parties, and I'll entertain people with all my great wealth. And God said to him in verse 20, Luke 20, verse 21, but God said to him, you fool. That's a hardcore word, you fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? Man. This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. This guy's being successful. This guy's being rich. This guy's good at what he does, and he begins to store up more for himself. And God comes along and says, you fool. I'm taking your life tonight, and guess what? You can't take any of that with you. When you focus on yourself and you store it for yourself, God finds it lacking. Now, here's what I find fascinating about this story. 
God never says he's mad at the guy for being rich. Think about it. He's a farmer. Who made him rich? God. God made the guy rich. God gave the guy the harvest. God becomes disappointed in the guy because the guy begins to begin inward focus and think about how he can get more instead of being rich towards God. He's only rich in the things of the world. And God's saying, when I take your life, your richness is going to matter to no one. You haven't made an impact with what I've given you. You have built nothing that can be left to the next generation. You haven't made a difference. You've built up for yourself where you can retire early. It became all about you. I want to give you some good news today and I want to give you some bad news today. By a show of hands, who wants to hear the good news first? Man, who wants to hear the bad news first? Too bad I wrote down good news first so you're getting that. I don't even know why I asked you. Now, remember when you were a kid and you got to choose the ending and choose what chapter you went to in the story? It's not this. I already got it written down. I was just hoping you would think you wanted the good news first and you'd be like, man, I'm going to give you what you want. Here's the good news. The good news is you're rich. (laughs) Good news, you're rich. You are rich. I asked you if you are rich today and only one of you said you were. The rest of you said you weren't rich. But you're rich. We need to get a little bit of perspective. There's a world outside of Canton, Georgia. There's a world outside of the state of Georgia. I know this is really hard for some of you to believe. There's an entire world outside the United States of America. There's probably around 3 billion, give or take, I haven't looked at the numbers recently, 3 billion people in the world that live off less than $2 a day. Let me repeat that. There's about 3 billion, that's with a B, 3 billion people in the world who live off less than $2 a day. Some of you spent $5 on coffee on your way to church. You're rich. I'm not saying you shouldn't buy your coffee. I'm just saying sometimes... We need to put things in perspective. We're rich. If you begin to put your financial situation in perspective of the world, we're rich. Matter of fact, not only are we rich, we are very, very, very rich. I've learned that you can tell how rich people are by the way certain things upset them. Like you order something on Amazon and it takes three days instead of the next day to get here and you're mad? That's how rich you are. Let me tell you, I, uh, I don't know why I confess stuff to y'all. I haven't even confessed this to my wife. So I have been on a Wendy's, well, she knows about this, I have been on a Wendy's chicken nugget kick. I justify that it's chicken, it's protein, it doesn't matter that it's fried, and they're 99 cents. The other day, I went and got Wendy's chicken nuggets because they're amazing. 
pull out. I get to my office. I'm excited to eat my Wendy's chicken nuggets. And they gave me no barbecue sauce. I legit was angry. Like, I'm talking angry, like, through the bag across. I don't even want this now. Like, I'm so self-entitled that I can't eat some chicken nuggets without some barbecue sauce when there's people going hungry in the world. What makes you mad shows you how rich you are. Can't get my Netflix account to work. Yesterday, we're at the thing, and we're going to show the Georgia game, so we're going to log into my YouTube Live account, and I can't remember the password. Big deal, I had the password saved on my phone. I had to hit a button that says passwords, scroll down, look at it. Took me 30 seconds. I began to get irritated that I had to do that. You can tell how rich you are by what bothers you. I want you to think about that for a minute. Well, I don't have my phone. Well, my phone, someone hold up their phone. With that device right there that Nancy has, Nancy, stand up, look pretty for everybody, show the phone. Good job, Nancy. Think about this. I have a YouTube Live account that I can download an app to my phone, and I can watch live television almost anywhere Anywhere in America, almost anywhere in the world. Like I'm rich. I watched human beings last night at my festival walk around, go to food trucks, eating food, beer in one hand, listening to music, and watching the Georgia game in their lap. That's rich. I remember growing up Remember when they first made the little mobile TVs that really were not mobile? And my dad, there was a big Georgia game, and we had a wedding, and my dad takes the TV to the wedding. Like, you can't discreetly take this TV into a wedding. It's, it's about, it's probably about as big as this box, actually. And he's got it down between his legs, and he's trying to watch it. And he's got antennas, he's trying to sort the antennas, like be discreet in the back pew. You know, I can be discreet now. Some of you are probably watching the NFL pregame show right now while I'm preaching. Don't lie. That's rich stuff. It's just stuff we take for granted. You know when Doug Knight was born, they didn't even have television, period. (laughs) And now we are so rich, we can carry it in our back pocket and watch anything. I watched Nicole Bailey yesterday pouring beer, serving customers, and watching a football game on her phone. That's rich. Can't hide money. We're rich. Think about this. I can pull out my phone, and anywhere in the world I can listen to any song I want to listen to. Any song. Kids, if there's any kids in here... When I was growing up and wanted to hear a song on demand, I had to go to a place called Turtles, buy a thing called a CD, 
Make sure that CD was with me wherever I went. Some of these people had to buy things called tapes. Some people, again, Doug Knight, had things called eight tracks. People like Linda had to buy a record. They had to be plugged up somewhere. At least with a CD, I had an amazing thing called a Sony Walkman. Now, if I bought that CD that had that song on it, I could listen to it. But if there was another song that came on, I had to go back to Turtles, $15.99 per CD, and buy another CD. Now I literally type it in my phone. There's a song me and Emily have been waiting to drop, and it dropped Friday. I've been busy. I forgot that it dropped Friday. For some reason, I'm leaving the festival. That song dropped. Man, I'm going to listen. Literally driving, I pulled over on the side of the road, stopped my car, typed in the song. I did not. I was driving down 575 at 80 miles an hour, <laughs> typing in the song. It pulled up, I hit play, and instantly I'm listening to this song that we've been waiting for a month to drop. I'm rich. That's big balling money that I can do that, but we don't think we're rich. Think about this. If I get hungry for anything I'm hungry for, I can go get in my car. Do you know only 15% of the world even have an automobile? I can go get in my car. Oh, by the way, I can go get in my truck. I'm almost embarrassed by this. That costs the exact same price that the first house I ever bought cost. Literally. Say, so how much know your business? But my first house costs the same amount my truck that I drive now cost. I can get in that truck. I can drive by 15 other restaurants pull into a place that will have the food that I want. They will cook the food for me. They will prepare the food for me. They will put it on a plate for me. They will then come out and serve me that food, and when I'm done, they will clean up my mess. I'm rich. I'm so rich that when I want Mexican food, I can drive by seven other Mexican restaurants that all taste the same at the end of the day. Some people are so stupid. Like, they all taste the same. But we all have our own Mexican restaurant. Own Mexican restaurant to go to the Mexican restaurant I want. I can drive by four Waffle Houses to go to my Waffle House. Why? Because I'm rich. I don't got to stop at the Waffle House. I literally have a Waffle House, literally have a Waffle House across the street from my house. That ain't my Waffle House, though. I passed that Waffle House. I'm bougie like that. And I go to the other Waffle House. You say, why do you go? Well, here's why I go to that Waffle House. Because years ago, the person with four teeth that worked at that Waffle House, they work at every Waffle House, but they worked at that Waffle House, I ordered my food, and he said, I'll be right back. I just got done smoking. I'm going to go wash my hands. I said, oh, he's going to wash his hands? I ain't never seen a Waffle House where they wash their hands. <laughs> that was 10 years ago. I've never seen them wash their hands since. But I remember them washing their hands 10 years ago, and that guy still works there. And that's my Waffle House now. Now you know. That's how rich I am. I can pick 
what restaurant I go to based on who washes their hands and the way I want them washed. The good news is they're rich. Now, I also understand that in a room like this, there's people out there and you are struggling financially. I get that. Situations, medical bills, divorce, single parents fighting for what they have. And I I do not want to come across as I am making fun or diminishing the reality of your situation. I understand that. But the reality is, is in perspective, we're rich. If we're going to acknowledge before God that he's blessed us, and we would all say we've been blessed, compared to most of the people in the world, we're rich. So if I'm rich, I want to learn how to be good at being rich. I want to learn to take my wealth, my richness, and use my richness in a way that honors God. Because I don't want to be like the other guy. I don't want to build silos for my own self where I can retire early. I want to make sure I'm honoring God. So in order to be good at being rich and honoring God in your wealth, first of all, you've got to acknowledge you're rich. So here's the deal, we're rich. Do we have anybody in here today? I don't want to raise it. How many of you will go home today? You might not own the place. You might only rent a room in the place. But you will go to a place that has running water and a roof over it. Anybody, 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 anybody? Okay, 100% of you. You're rich. So how do we honor God with our wealth? God has blessed me. I'm rich. The good news is you're rich. And I get for a moment, it's a little uncomfortable to say that. But we're rich. I, I don't want my kids to hear that and all of a sudden they get cocky and arrogant about it because they don't understand the context of it. But we're rich, we're blessed. Now here's what I want you to ask yourself. If you feel uncomfortable saying that, why do you feel uncomfortable? Why does it embarrass you a little bit? Because there's other things that we brag on ourselves about and it doesn't embarrass us. We lose a bunch of weight and we get healthy. We don't feel embarrassed to brag on ourselves for that. I love what Solomon said Ecclesiastes. He said, moreover, when God gives someone wealth and possessions and the ability to enjoy them, to accept their lot and be happy in their toil, this is a gift from God. So here's what I want you to understand. The richness you have, we're all at different levels of richness, but there's nobody here that is poor by the world's standards. What you have is a gift from God. You might be struggling right now. You might have a car that barely runs, but guess what it runs? It's a gift from God. You might have a roommate that you can't stand, but guess what? You're able to live in a place where you can have a roommate you don't stand, where you can't stand. We're rich. We're blessed. I remember losing it all and getting back on my feet and moving into a one-bedroom apartment. I thought that one-bedroom apartment was the greatest thing I'd ever lived in in my life. Because up to that point, I had lived in my car for a couple of days and someone let me move in their basement. But I had my own place where I could come in, lock my door and go to my bed, which, by the way, was on the floor. Had a mattress literally laying on the floor. It was incredible to me. 
I was rich. I look back now and would tell you, man, I was poor during those days. No, it wasn't. I was rich. Guess what? That house, that one-bedroom apartment kept me as dry as the house I live in now. The water that came out of the sink was as cold as the water that comes out of the sink in my big house. We're rich. We're blessed. God has given us a gift, and we need to understand that. God gives us the wealth. I'm a self-made man. No, you're not. You're a God-made man. God made you first. You have gifts. You have talents. You have opportunities. You were born in a place, man, the greatest country in the world. We have more opportunities than ever before. You're God-made. God's the one behind it. When God gives us this gift, he doesn't give us this gift to only use for ourselves. He gives us this gift to make a difference in the kingdom because the only reason we're still left here is to make a difference in the kingdom. God doesn't leave us here to go through the motions. In that case, he would just take us on home. There's nothing to be ashamed of. Nothing to be embarrassed of. You're rich. We're rich. Good news, you're rich. Accept it. Now, there's some bad news out there. You ready for the bad news? The bad news is you're rich. And being rich can be a bad thing. Being rich actually in many times puts us at a spiritual disadvantage. Jesus had a very meaningful conversation with a rich and powerful young guy in the New Testament. The guy had money and he had stuff. And he wanted to know what he had to do to inherit the kingdom of God. And God said, you've got to leave all that stuff and follow me. It wasn't a matter of the stuff was wrong, but that stuff was that guy's God. Those things were over God, and God is a jealous God. He comes second to nobody. So the problem was that guy was rich, and those rich and those possessions became his God. The good news is you're rich. The bad news is you're rich. It's a huge spiritual disadvantage. Because when we're blessed, we tend to forget we need God. I already have a roof over my head. I already have food in my pantry. I can buy whatever I want. It's probably been years for many of us that we've had to pray for certain needs to be met. I can't remember the last time that I had to pray for God to make sure I had food to eat. I can't remember the last time, if ever, I had to pray for God to have a place where I could sleep tonight. So what happens is, because we're rich, we begin to think we can do things on our own and without God. We forget that God gave us the richness. I can remember when I first got in ministry, First church I ever took a job at, they paid me $13,000 a year. I was not rich. Even back then, $13,000 a year was not a lot of money. And I can remember calling out to God and by faith being strong and asking God, God, I don't know how we're going to get groceries this week. And we'd show up and there'd be a pack of groceries on the front porch. 
God, I don't know how I'm going to fix that car that broke down, and I'd go to the mailbox, and there'd be an envelope of cash in it. I think I told you this story before. I'm working at a church. I'm making $13,000 a year. And something happened. The pastor was gone one day or something, and they needed me to do something. And I went into the office. This was back before the days of direct deposit. And I saw the payroll check sitting on the pastor's desk. I was a singles pastor at that church. I had one of the largest college ministries in Georgia. The church ran about 350 people on Sunday, and I ran 700 people at my Wednesday night single service, making 13000 a year. And I looked down and saw the janitor made triple what I made. The janitor. God forbid he'd been there 20 years. God forbid he was doing all the jobs I never wanted to do. Have you ever been in a church like there's always that guy that's got the wad of keys? That was Mr. Fawcett. He had the wad of keys. He had all the power. He should have been making more. And I came home and I complained. And I said, I'm quitting that church. I wasn't going to quit. You know, you're mad and you say stupid stuff. And I went to the pastor and I said, I just found out the janitor's making more money than me. He said, stick out your hand. I stuck out my hand. He tearing. He slapped it. Wham. He said, stick out your hand. Stuck it out. And he reared back and he slapped it again. My hand's all red and swollen. He said, stick out your hand. I'm a slow learner. I stuck it out again. He slapped it again. He said, stick out your hand. I said, I'm not sticking my hand out again. He said, you'll stick out your hand or you'll find a new job. And I stuck out my hand. And he went back to hit it at the last minute. My hand was throbbing so bad I moved it, and he missed. And he said, you slap the hand of God enough, he'll move it. And after that moment, you know something happened over the next six months? Lou, I never showed up at my house and had groceries on the front porch anymore. God was providing for me. When money got tight, I never went to the mailbox, and there was an envelope with cash in it anymore. God was reminding me that he was providing for me when I had needs, and when I began to complain about that, the hand of God moved from my life temporarily. But now I'm in a position where I don't got to complain about that. And I find myself in my prayer life is not so much about praying for my needs anymore. I find myself praying for my wants instead. This is a huge spiritual disadvantage to being rich. You know, another disadvantage is because whom much is given, much is required. In other words, when God entrusts you with more riches, more is required of you. God blessed you more because you did more with less. He's blessing you to be a blessing. But we want to be greedy. I always get a kick out of people. They'll come up to me, I know their heart's in the right place. See what the lottery is? It's $580 million. When I win that, I'm going to buy that property for the church. I'm like, no, you're not. What do you mean? I said, so you're telling me you're going to give me $4.1 million? Yeah. I said, I bet if I checked the giving record, you ain't gave $10 in the last month. But now you're going to jump to $4.1 million? No, nah, you ain't going to. Sam Walton tells a story of getting his first $100 check, and he put $10 in the plate. He said, that changed his life. 
He said, had he not given 10 when he made 100, he'd have never given 10 million when he made his first 100 million. That seems crazy, just another zero. You can't be faithful with a little, God's not gonna give you much. You ain't gotta like that. I don't really care if you like it. One thing you would never have to worry about here is I don't know who gives what, don't care who gives what, and I have learned over the years God pays the bills here. I don't need you to give to this church. But I've never met a broke giver. You cannot outgive God. But the bad news is we're rich and we don't understand because we're rich, more is required. It's why when we've taken up big offerings for stuff around here, I tell you all the time it's not equal gifts. It's equal sacrifice. That person who gives $50 is just as vital to that giving campaign as that person who gave 5000 because it hurt both of them the same amount. It doesn't impress me when someone strokes me a $10,000 check and I know they got $10 million in the bank. Good for them. I'll take the $10,000 and we'll spend it. That didn't hurt them. But I've had some $20 checks given to this church, man, that have brought me to tears because I knew those people didn't have gas to put in their car that week. See, the bad news is we're rich. And because we're rich, God expects more for us. We don't have needs anymore when we get rich. The reality is we've got the new phones, we've got the TV, we've got the new purse, the new shoes, the new sunglasses. I was giving my wife hell this morning. I said, where did you get that dress at? I thought she bought it at the festival yesterday. Now, here's the deal. She can go buy whatever she wants to. I just like giving her hell. I bought it on Amazon. I said, who shops on Amazon? I said, so you just get to go buy a new dress? She goes, she's right. She said, you take a new tag off that shirt this morning? Uh-huh. And then she called me out in front of Randy. She said, and pants about two weeks old, aren't they? Uh-huh. And then Bubba throws me under the bus and said, you had new shoes on yesterday? Yeah, and them new shoes, they punished me. I didn't break them in first and walked 17 miles and my feet hurt today. See, there's sadness to being rich. Don't call your wife out because they'll call you out back. Bad news is we're rich. Jesus said, be on your guard with your possessions. There's nothing wrong with having nice things. I feel no shame. Let me make this clear to you. I feel no shame in the nice things that I have. But I also know much is given, much is required. I'm not saying this in a breath. I'm not trying to be arrogant. I want you to hear my heart. Again, I don't know who gives what around here or who does what, but I know this. There's nobody in this church that sacrifices more. There might be a lot of people who sacrifice as much financially, but no one who sacrifices more than we do financially. We're the first to give at this place. I don't ask you to do nothing we don't do. You go, hey, well, me, nine times out of ten, I'm paying for your dinner if I can, because we want to be a blessing. My wife the other day, I went and got my beard done, and I, she said, hey, I, I didn't have any cash in me. They only take cash because that's how old she, she had to go take it. I said, hey, I need you to pay for my beard. It got trimmed. She said, what do you normally give? I said, I give this amount. She goes, that's double the cost of the beard. I said, are we hurting for money? Well, no. I'm not. She said, I get it. I want to be a blessing to him. That guy's good to me. He's sitting there having to cut my nasty face every week. Now, if I couldn't afford to do it, I wouldn't do it. But I've learned you can't outgive God. Some of you, you don't tell you why you have financial problems. I'm going to hurt your feelings real quick because you're greedy. 
You hold on to it all. You know what I've learned in my life? The more I give away, the more seems to come in. I can't explain it. It just does. The bad news is I'm rich. (laughs) The Bible says, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, which richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. God gives us what we have. We need to be careful not to be arrogant in our blessings. Enjoy it. You work hard. Go get what you want. But make sure you're giving as much as you get. The Bible says in the next verse, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, but also to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so they may take hold of the life that is truly life. God blesses us to be a blessing. I want to give you three things and I'm done. I'm not even going to preach on these. The only thing you need, I want you to remember this day. God has blessed me with more than I need, therefore I'm rich. You're rich. You can argue about it all day long, you're rich. You're rich. You go to a job that pays you, you live in a house, you drive a car. Your car, by your standards, might be, not, not be as nice as someone else's car, but you have a car. You've heard me say it before, man. We go, there's people all over the world that only have clean drinking water, and we go to the store and buy water and drink it from a bottle. I walked around this building today, and I counted, because I knew the sermon I was preaching. I counted 13 bottles of water I threw out today that were half empty. That's how rich we are. Tell me we're poor. Second thing I want you to understand is this. Even though I'm rich, I will not trust my riches, but I will trust in God. That's important. Here's the problem. Some of you are finding your security in your riches. They can be taken away real quick. I'm not going to go in the store because I've said it a thousand times, but I told you. I had the six most profitable weekends of my life coming up. Kemp gets up and shuts down Georgia the week before. It's funny. I looked at my wife and I said, do you understand how much money we're about to have in the next six weeks? The most money we... I was, I was about to make six figures in six weeks. I know for some of you that ain't nothing like Lou. He does that in a day. For me, those six weeks, man, that was big time. And with one man standing up and shutting down the state, I went from the most money I was about to make to looking at her saying, hey, how, much, how long can the money in the bank last? I remember we calculated. We had three and a half months that we could pay the bills. And guess what happened during that time? God just provided and provided and provided and provided. And we kept spending money and paying bills in three and a half months, kept staying at three and a half months. And then one day, Christine said, we got about five months. How do we have more than we had when we started? like the oil coming from the thing. God just kept blessing. God had to remind me. I went into panic, but I told you I met with David and Sierra at Viva La Mexico or whatever the hell it's called on exit 14 and was freaking out. I said, I don't know what I'm going to do. And I remember David Western said, it'll be all right. Instantly, I flipped a switch and said, man, he's God. Not David. He's God. 
He doesn't just get to be God when things are good. God, I, I can't even tell you the ways that God provided during that time. It's crazy. We search. Thank God for a government that made it easy to make fun of through T-shirts. We sold a lot of T-shirts that made fun of government. Thank God that the Braves went to the World Series. We made a lot of money selling Braves World Series shirts. Thank God that a race car driver said, F Joe Biden or whatever he said, and someone said, oh, look, at or the fans chanted, he said, oh, let's go, Brandon. Good God, did we sell thousands of let's go, Brandon t-shirts? Chad, not Jad Jenkins, and I sold hand sanitizer. I was like a crack dealer up here at the church. Like literally, people were pulling in, I was loading illegal hand sanitizer into their car. My point is, God provided. I made more money in the year of COVID. Now, how don't you hear this out? I'm in the event business. Events went away. I've made more money in the year of COVID than I'd ever made up to that point in my life. Why? Because God provided. God had to remind me that I will not trust in my riches, but you trust in the one who provides. Now, here's the other part of that. Because I have more, I have learned that I will give more and do more. I need you to understand something here today. What you do with your money is between you and God. I don't give two rips. So you can leave here today saying, ah, Gary cares about money like every other preacher. You're a liar and you're lying to yourself. That's the Holy Ghost of God convicting you and you're trying to project on me. But everything you have is because God gave it to you. Someone said, do you believe in the tithe? I believe, I don't believe in the tithe. Let me go ahead and make that clear. I couldn't tell you the last time I tithed. The tithe means 10%. We ain't give as little as 10% in years. We give 15, 20. We give whatever, we give more than a tithe. The tithe is the bare minimum. Don't feel like you're doing something cool because you tithe. That's the bare minimum. He says, how will you rob me? Rob me with your tithes. He'll curse us. God's going to get his one way or another. You'll learn that. And it's not about the money. It's about God wanting to be put first. It's funny how my money stretches more on 90% when I give the first 10% to God than it does when I keep 100% for myself. Say, how does that make sense? I don't know. You operate the natural. We're talking about the supernatural. It just seems like the gas in the truck goes a little bit longer. And the refrigerator doesn't break. Laundry detergent goes a little bit longer. I don't, I don't know, it just works out. God provides. You cannot outgive God. So here's the deal. So many of you are chasing money, but you're chasing it for the wrong reasons. You're chasing it for your own self. God said, I'm going to be a blessing to you. Where you can be blessed, but you can be a blessing to others. I have two people in my life, both of them go to this church actually, that I'm very close with that are further, substantially further along with me than I am financially. And again, I don't know who gives what. Let me make that clear. But I would bet everything in my bank account that those two people are the most generous people in this church. They're the most generous people in our life when we need stuff. They're the most generous people in our lives when something's coming up. I believe they're blessed because of their generosity. 
They don't even flinch. Hey, man, I need to figure out this, blah, 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 blah. Instantly it's figured out. Can't outgive God. So here's my challenge to you today. Money makes the world go around. I get that. Some of you need to sit back and trust God instead of chasing money for your own ego. Once you're blessed by God, learn how to be a blessing. And watch how God blesses you more. Let's pray.